think our local Balkaira in Oratar is definitely not going to be complaining when Tazria gets his own week and Mitzari gets his own week. These parshas are actually infamous when it comes to the Trup. Uh, yes, it's the Balik Kree will tell you. The hard parsha is to learn. The hard parsha is to nail down. That's what they taina. And uh, in general, the island does not complain when we have uh, only one parsha, as we do this year. Many of the parshas are going to be um, broken up. Um, but Tazri is still a big parsha in of itself, on its own right. Tazria, there's a lot to talk about in Tazria. And this year gives us the opportunity to talk about Tazria on its own and Mitzvah on its own. Many, many years, in most years, <coughs> we have to sandwich the Tazria Torah and the Mitzvah Torah into one week. This year, we'll be able to focus on Tazria and give it its own personal individualized attention. Let's look at the beginning of Tazria. Beginning of Tazria. Um, I want to pick up on, on the very first Rashi over here, maybe. By Dabra Hashem HaMoshe Leymar, Dabra Bnei Yisrael Leymar, Isha Ki Sazria, a woman when she becomes pregnant, V'yalda Zohar, gives birth to a boy, V'tomashiva Asyamim, she's going to be Tomei for seven days, Kimei Nidas Devois Atitma, for the length of time of her Nida Toma, she has the same length of time when she gives birth to a child. So we'll get back to that perhaps, the Nida Toma and Tomas Leida, the Toma that's associated with childbirth, and which the Torah is comparing and putting alongside Tomas Nida itself, We'll get back to that, but let, let's look first at the very first Rashi, the opening Rashi of the Parsha. This is page 317. If you have this um, blue art scroll, only Hebrew, Chumash. Page 317, the first Rashi on the Parsha says something interesting. Says Rashi, Isha ki sazriya amrib simloi, kishem shi yitzirasa shal adam acher kol behem The same way when it comes to the six days of creation which we had a very long time ago in the beginning of Bereshus. The same way, what came last, Rabbi Sai? What was created at the very, 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 very end of the six days of creation? Now I'm not talking about it, and some of you may be um, trying to score extra points on this, extra credit about what was created during twilight. I'm not talking about twilight, I'm talking about during when it's still daytime. What was that, Benny? Human. Human being, that's right, very good. Okay, Betty Tak gets five points. So, um, very good. Five points for Benny. Um, and Benny's right. Benny's right. Man was created last. The first day is the night and dark, day and night. Um, light and dark and day and night. The second day is separation of waters. The third day, fourth day, fifth day. We have the, the celestial bodies, the, the birdies, the fishies. And sixth day is all the animals. And finally, after all the animals have been created, finally we have Adam and Chava. And they round out the entire creation. They're created last. And all you have to do is open up a book of Genesis and Parshas Bereshis to find that out. So says Rashi, quotes a, a medrash which has a very interesting observation. And the question is, what are we going to do with that observation? The same way... Man is created last. Man is created after all the animals, birds, and fishes, fish, fowl, and all fauna, in the creation of the world. So too his Torah comes last. The same way he's created last, his Torah comes last. Thus, mate, what does it mean his Torah comes last? So this is Parsha's Tazri. We've already had a Tzav and a Shmini. And last week's Parsha... We had all kinds of halachas that have to do with animals. All kinds of Torah 
on the animal world. The Torah of the hoofed mammals, and the Torah of the fish, and the Torah of the birds, and the Torah of the shratzim, the rodents, and Torah of the insects, and Torah of crawling, creeping insects, and creeping and crawling aquatic insects, and flying insects, and, and everything. That is what was packed into last week's Parsha Shemini, and, and this is the Torah of the animal world. The Torah of kosher animals and non-kosher animals, kosher fish and non-kosher fish, kosher birds, non-kosher birds, and what happens when non-kosher things die, and what happens to your oven when non-kosher things fall into your oven. This is the Torah of the animals. It says Rashi, quoting Rib Simaloi, Man's Torah comes after the animal's Torah, the same way man's creation comes at the very end of everyone else's creation. And what this Rashi is doing is really addressing an unspoken question, the unspoken, understood question being, why do we wait till after Shemini to discuss, discuss Tazvim and Tzorah? and is the Torah of, of man. Shemini is Tum and Tahara, the laws of impurity and purity when it comes to animals. Tazvim and is purity and impurity when it comes to human beings, mankind. Thomas Nida, Thomas Leida, Thomas Metzoira, Thomas Saras, Thomas Zav, Thomas Zava, all the various impurities that 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 Klai uh, people have to deal with. That isn't Tazrim Metzoira. That comes after Shmini, after the Torah of Tum and Tahara, purity and impurity, and kosher and kosher animals. So the question is, why are we saving man's Torah for the end? Should discuss first talk about the Torah of man, our Torah, our laws, our halachas, our Shulchan Aruch, and then we'll talk about the animals that'll come next. This is the unspoken, assumed question. And the answer to that is, Reb Simloi quotes Rashi, tells us, well, the same way we're created last, we're created after everything else, our Torah comes after everything else. Adkan, period, that's, that, that is Rashi's statement over here, that's Rashi's solution for this implied problem. Now, let's ask a question on that. There's a major question on this Rashi, a major question on this statement of Chazal, on this observation. And that is, we know there's a specific reason why man's creation comes after the creation of everything else. There's a specific reason for this. And who knows, who knows what that reason is? It's a Gemara, Gemara and Sanhedrin. And the Gemara tells us why man's creation actually comes after everything else. For a cool five points, who wants to take a stab at this? So Gemara tells us the following. What's that? World is created for man. Okay, good. That's one approach. Okay, Yosef Ayer pulls in a cool five points over there. One approach is that we have to have the world ready for man to arrive. Man has, has to arrive on the scene that, that, that there's already something going on. Oh, yes, uh, Galaxy A12. You have something to say there, whoever you are? Oh, that's Joseph. Ah, what was that, Joseph? You, you agree with Yosef Ayer? Okay, agreeing with him is not going to get you any points. So I'm sorry. He got, he got the answer. But, but we appreciate that you agree with him. Um, so that is one approach, that the world is here. The world is here for man. So Hashem wants man to come into a place that's already ready and waiting for him. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's another reason the Gemara says as well. And this is a humbling reason. The Gemara says the reason why man is created after everything else is that way if man ever gets a little bit too big for his britches, we get a little bit arrogant and prideful and boastful, then the Rebbeinah tells us just open up a Bereshis, even a mosquito came before you. You think you're so big, you think you're so haughty, a little, a microorganism. This is the, the Gemara's, the Gemara's uh, approach, is a yitosh, says the Gemara, a gnat, a mosquito preceded you. And we would maybe update that, you know, based on uh, 
micro, the, the world of the micro, we'd say, you know, like, uh, uh, plankton came before you. Algae came before you. Microorganisms, the, the, the coronavirus, these things were all created before man. The smallest little garnish, that came before man. When man deserves to be praised, says the Gemara, something very interesting. When man deserves to be praised, we say, wow, you know something? You're in touch with your neshama, and your neshama preceded everything, and that's true. Our spiritual component actually comes before everything else, because our spiritual component comes before there's a universe. Our neshama goes up to Hashem's throne of glory itself, and that precedes the physical universe. Our spiritual component comes before everything, comes before the microorganisms, comes before the world. Our physicality, our guf, our body, comes after everything else. So the Gemara has a very sharp take, and, and sharp Mustafa says the Gemara, when we are deserving of praise and recognition, we say, wow, this person made himself a spiritual being of a soul, and he indeed can be said to precede everything because he's someone, he's a body, he's a being of the soul. And his soul came before everything else. But if you want to get arrogant, you want to get prideful, you want to get boastful and become a Balgai, but someone haughty, we tell you, look, buddy, you think you're so haughty, you think you're so big, you think you're such a big guy, you think you're so, uh, you know, so, so proud of yourself, the smallest little bug, cockroaches were created before you. You have nothing to be proud about. The jukim, the jukim got there first. This is why man was created after everything else, says the Gemara, in order to make sure we don't become so prideful and boastful. So we have a problem over here. That would account for our creation coming after everything else. Our physical creation comes after everything else to make it clear that when we want to get caught up in our physical creation down here, our physical existence down here, even the cockroaches came before us, even the earthworms came before us, even plankton came before us. But why should that be reason for our Torah to come after everything else? And that's what Rebbe Simla is saying. Kishem, the same way we're created after everything, so too our Torah comes after everything. One second, doesn't our Torah have to do with our neshama? Our Torah has to do with our spirituality, with our ruchnius. Ruchnius-wise, spiritually-wise, we come before everything. So the Torah should come first. Let the creation come last, but the Torah should come first. What's Rebbe Simla is saying? It's the same we're created last, the Torah comes last. It doesn't make any sense. The Torah should come first. The reason we're created last accounts for our physicality being created last. Doesn't, is, not a good, is not a sufficient reason, not an explanation for our Torah coming last. As far as our Torah goes, that's connected to our neshama, to our soul, our spirituality. That should come first. What's going on over here? This doesn't make any sense. The same way we're created last, our Torah comes last. What's going on over here? Bam kash, as we'd say. A major question over here. The reason that's given for the physicality coming last does not make sense when you plug that into spirituality. So I want to share with Eilam a fascinating Maharal. The Maharal has a beautiful idea over here. The Maharal says the following. Says the Maharal, it's true that this idea, the Gemara tells us that we're created after everything else because we want to make it clear that if we get too caught up in our physicality, well, hey, everything came before our goof. Everything came before our body. Even, even the microorganisms, microbes, everything came before us. Germs, bacteria, viruses, cockroaches, you name it, all came before us. We got too caught up in our physicality. The antidote that already precedes that is the fact that our physical creation came after everything else. Our physical creation, we were created, we were brought into this world after everything else. So why is our Torah coming after everything else? 
Says the Maral, an amazing, unbelievable idea. The reason why our Torah comes last is the exact same reason why we're created last. And that's why Rashi says, Kashem Kach, the same way. We're created after everything else, so too our Torah comes after everything else. We have to be created after everything else physically for a specific reason, as we mentioned. So why is our Torah coming last? Because we're not really fully created until we have our Torah. We haven't been finished. We haven't, the, finish, the creation process is not finished yet. We're only fully created down here when we have our Torah. An amazing idea. Let's explore that and appreciate that together. We generally think to ourselves and relate to Torah as rules, laws, and like it's, as we would say in Talmudics and Yeshivish, milsa achrita. It's something incidental, it's something zaitig, it's something outside of us. There's like us who we are, you know, all, all of us here, all of us that makes us us. And then, you know, there's the Torah. There's our existence down here. We have a physical existence, and we're given rules. I should really listen to the Torah, and I'm going to try my best, but sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't listen, sometimes I'm better, sometimes I'm worse. Okay, but there's me, and there's the Torah. That's how we instinctively relate to Torah and us. Says Maral, no, 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 no. The Torah is actually the last step in the us. It's the last step in our creation, the last step in our existence, and the last step in our presence and manifestation down here. Until we have Torah, we're not really manifest down here. What does that mean? That means that the same way Adam Harishon, let, 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 let's, let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And we know Adam Harishon was created in different stages. Rashi tells us, what did Hashem do first? Hashem gathered dirt from all over the globe. Hashem made into this clay form of Adam. And then Hashem breathed the neshama into Adam. And then Adam was animated, he got up, and he was alive. You know, like we all know the stories of the, the Goylem of Prague, the famous Goylem. So how do you make a Goylem, guys? Anybody ever tried that before? No, not yet. How do you make a golem? What? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Make you make a golem. Okay, so Rebbeinu Shmuel made a golem. There's enough golems. Ah, I like that. Ah, l'chaim. I'll drink to that. Chazar li meshugayim, huh? There's plenty of golems out there. All right, he's sure Rebbeinu Shmuel is, 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 is correct. But I didn't say it. He said it. Um, how do you make a guy the same way? You take clay, you make a form of a person, you take a piece of cloth, you write certain names of God, names name is Kedusha, put in there, and then it, gets to, it comes to life. Okay. So Hashem is making Adam, and, and we certainly would say that when Hashem, let's say, in the clay form of Adam, when Adam is being fashioned by God, so if Adam still only has the right side of his body, not the left side of his body, he's incomplete. He's incomplete. He's not fully formed yet, not fully fashioned He's not fully present in this world yet. And if he doesn't have a nose yet, he's not fully complete. He's not fully made yet. If the Rebbe didn't give him his ears yet, he's not fully made. We're not going to put the Neshama in until other region is fully made. Then we put the Neshama in, and then we have a Adam. And we have an Adam with all of his limbs, all of his uh, appendages, exactly the way he's supposed to look. And then we breathe in the shaman, and then he has animation, he has intelligence, he has a soul, he has a body, he's good to go. That's not really the full story. The same way we would say that he's not fully present in this world yet, without a nose, 
without ears, without his arm and his leg, if Hashem didn't put that there yet, he's also not fully present in this world until he has Torah to fulfill. He's not really here. Because the whole purpose of man being here, the whole purpose of man being in this world is to actively fulfill the Torah, be Mekayim Torah. And unless I have something to do here, unless I have instructions to carry out, unless I have Torah to follow, I'm not really fully present yet because I'm aimless, I'm clueless, and I'm destinationless. It's true, it is a little bit more on a, on a conceptual level, on a metaphysical level as opposed to physical, but it's the same principle, it's the same idea. We have not yet been fully formed and fully fashioned if we don't have Torah, because if we don't have anything to do over here, then we're not really here. Who told you to ask that question? And the Maral makes a beautiful connection with this idea. He knocks down lots of dominoes. And building up speed says the Maral, this is why Chazal tell us, it says in the, uh, the sixth day of creation, it says, Hashishi. The sixth day. On the first day it says, Echad, Sheni, Shlishi, the first, second, third. On the sixth day of creation, the final day, when Adam is created, it says, Yom Hashishi, the sixth day. The definite article. Why is that Yom Hashishi? So the Gemara says a famous idea in Masech Shabbos. What's the famous idea? Yom Hashishi. The sixth day. What's referring to what? Shavuot. Shavuot. Vav Sivan. Hashishi. This sixth day is referring to the sixth day of Sivan when Kleisel got the Torah in Har Sinai. And Rashi brings down why is it emphasized on the sixth day of creation in Genesis? The sixth day of Sivan when Kleisel gets the Torah. So what does Rashi say famously? That the world was unstable. The world was insecure from the sixth day of creation till the year 2448. For nearly 2500 years, the world had an instability. The world was shaky. The world was insecure until Kleisro accepted the Torah. Once Kleisro accepted the Torah, the world is now stabilized. And it's on firm ground. So Torah is only on terra firma after Kabbalah's Torah. Until Kabbalah's Torah, Torah itself, the world itself is not on terra firma. They're not on solid ground. By Kabbalah, by Shavuos, when Kleisos, Nasev, and Ishma, the world stabilizes. What does that mean? That until 2440, until Nasev, and Ishma, the world is shaking and unstable. So Rashi says, the Rebbe was, made, made a statement that if Kleisos doesn't accept the Torah, I'm going to return the world to Toi Vavoy. I'm going I'm to destroy the world, take it back again. If they accept the Torah, then the world will be stabilized, will get locked in. We accept the Torah, Baruch Hashem, got locked in, the world stabilizes and becomes solid and secure. What's the pshat? What's the 24, 48 years of, of insecurity, of, uh, uh, instability, of shaking and shuckling, and that gets now stabilized when we accept the Torah? That is the same idea that goes hand in hand with the question that Menachem Tzvi just asked there in the back, and it's the same exact idea. The world's created for man to be in this world. Man is created to not just, you know, be here. Hey, here I am. Hi, everybody. We're created to be active in this world, to have something to do in this world. And that's Torah. And until we have Torah, Taka, the world hasn't really been finished being created yet. Until we say Anasev and Ishmael Harsinai, until we have Torah, the world hasn't really yet been created. That's what it means that the world was shaky. That's what it means that the world was insecure and unstable. Amazing. What an amazing idea. The world is not yet finished being created. In other words, we want to say this Lamdish, we can say it like this. The six-day creation was a yoyma arichta damya. It was one long day that slept out for 2,448 years. And finally, by Shavuot, is that, ah, Shun, we finished my Sibiratius. The days of creation are now finished because now 
We have a world with someone in the world who has Torah to fulfill in this world. Man has finished being created and the world has now finished being created. That's an unbelievable idea. But that's what it means that the world was shaky until Matan Torah and at that point it got firmed and solidified, solidified and solidized and, and, and is no longer unstable, no longer insecure. It's stabilized because we have finished and finalized the six days of creation. Man has Torah, he has something to do over here. The world has man within it to fulfill the, the, the destiny of the world. So said, again, just saying that differently, Klaiso without Torah is like Adam Rishon without his nose. You look at Adam Rishon, he doesn't have a nose, he's not created yet. Hadnish Kain Nuz. Right? Hadnish Kain Eugen. He doesn't have any eyes yet, he doesn't have any ears yet, he hasn't been created yet. If he doesn't have any Torah, also he hasn't been created yet. Because the purpose of creation is to be Makaim Torah. No Torah, no creation. Yes, Torah, yes, creation. Says the Maral, this is why Ribsi Mulay is telling us, Kishem, the same way that man is created after everything, so too his Torah comes after everything. Because until he has his Torah, he hasn't yet finished being created. It's the same idea. If you want to show me how I see that man is created less, that shows up not just in his physical creation coming after everything, but his Torah coming after everything. That's the end point of him being created last. Because he hasn't really been, his, his creation hasn't been finished until he receives Torah. So this is the Vartan Ripsim Law. This is true, of course, that our Torah has to do with our spiritual component. But getting Torah and being Makayim Torah and fulfilling Torah is the final stage, is the Makabapatish of our creation. The Makabapatish, the final hammer blow in our creation. So what an unbelievable insight for us. First of all, it gives Rashi such lichtekeit, such beautiful clarity over here. But second of all, just for us, for our own empowerment and our own encouragement, you know, we have to see, Rabbi Sai, that, that if we're shavach, if we're lax in our fulfillment of Hashem's holy Torah and mitzvahs, we're walking around without a nose. We're walking around without ears. We're walking around without an arm, without legs. Now, would we ever walk out the door Without our nose? You ever walk out the door without our ears on? What? Let's say you had a choice. Did you leave your nose at home? No. This is the emoji of noses. Yitzchak Kain is always able to, to um, pull up these emojis on a moment's notice. We just got the nose emoji from Yitzchak Kain. Uh, nobody would leave their nose at home. Your phone you should leave at home, yes. Should leave your phone at home. But your nose, your ears, your mouth, your legs. Well, some people also, Shmuel will tell some people it's also better for them to leave their mouth at home too, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, Rabbi Yisai, when we are not up to spec and not up to par, not really giving learning Torah everything we got, not giving davening everything that we got, not giving Hashem's holy mitzvahs everything that we got, we're not fully here. It's like we're walking around with it without arms and legs, and, and, and eyes. I left one of my eyes at home. I'm not using my eyes to study Hashem's holy Torah. I'm not using my mouth to dive into the Rebbein when I can dive in. I'm not using my limbs for Torah and mitzvahs. I'm not fully present. I'm not fully created. It's like, I, I'm, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a crippling effect, a handicapping effect. And this is the, the, the mindset. What, in, what an encouraging and powerful idea over here when we Take this morale and plug it into, you know, halacha lemaisa into real a- a- everyday life. 
We were created to be Mekayim Torah. Not that we're created, now that we're here, open up the Shulchan Aruch and, and, and follow all the rules. It's not rules A and B. It's not incidental to us. It's instrumental and intrinsic to us. It is the final layer of our existence, the final layer of our emergence here into this world. And the more we're Mekayim, the more we exist, the more we're really here. And Chas Shalom, when there is a laxity, that means we, we, we left our nose. We forgot our nose behind. We forgot our ears behind. Okay, so this is, this is the Pshat and the Rashi. This is this Maral. Beautiful idea. And it puts together Harsinai also, Matan Torah, Yom Hashishi. That again, that's what it means that the world was shaky and unstable until Klaisol receives the Torah because the world hasn't really been fully created until Kabbalah's HaTorah. Man hasn't been created, the world hasn't been created. Okay, that's very nice. Let's, let's maybe share one more idea together. It's also in the same opening Pasuk. Um, the parsha opens off with the, with the topic of pregnancy, pregnancy and birth, and yes, this is the Torah of of, of, of humans, the Torah Adam. It's the Torah of of purity and impurity, and and we begin the parshias of Tuma with what's called Tumas Leda, the Tuma that comes with childbirth, the natural impurity that gets conferred to a person, to a woman, when she gives birth to a baby. Okay? There's an interesting halacha that a woman that gives birth actually is in the state of Toma for seven days, if it's a boy, and 14 days if it's a girl. And she can't eat truma, she can't eat maiser sheni, she has to wait seven days for a boy, 14 days for a girl, and then she has another 33 days to wait for a boy, 66 days for a girl, so she can go to the base hamikdash. And that's Toma that comes just from the mere act of giving birth which is something that has to be understood and explored in its own. Right now, in previous years, we have focused in on that concept of why is childbirth create Toma. Should anything, it should be the opposite. We associate Toma with death. The Aviyavis of Toma, the highest level of Toma known to man is a corpse. And childbirth is very opposite. Childbirth is bringing life into the world. Why does birth, Leda, come with Toma when Leda is producing life? We associate Toma with death. Okay, we, we've, we've discussed and explored that in the past. I want to leave that on hold for a moment because we will come back to ideas we present in the, in the past, but we're going to come from a very different direction, a very interesting direction, and share some new ideas that we haven't really shared together yet in previous years, and we're going to reconnect with some old ideas. I want, I want to take this sideways for a moment. It says that a woman, when she gives birth, becomes pregnant, and it compares it to what was called Tomas Nido. Kimei Nidas Devoisa Titma, she is going to be Tame for the length of Tomas Nido. Tomas Nido is also a Toma that occurs for seven days. And the, the Torah is telling us over here that when a woman gives birth, she's going to be tummy for the same length of time that she's tummy for when she is in a state of nida. Seven days for nida, seven days for leida, for birth. So let's ask a couple of questions. First of all, why do I need this comparison? I mean, just, you know, nida will get to nida in the right time. We'll talk about Tomas nida, that's seven days. Talk about nida when we're in, in the topic of nida. Talk about later when we're talking of later. Why does there have to give me any comparison that when she gives birth, she's tummy for seven days, which is the same exact length of time that she's tummy for nida? Also, very interesting, the, the positive doesn't say kimei nida titma. She's tummy for seven days, like the same length of nida toma. It says nidas devoisa. Devoisa. The length of nidas devoisa. Devoisa is an interesting word in Lashna Kaidesh. You don't find it very often. And Rashi tells us that devoisa means choyli, means illness, sickness. Nidas devoisa, when she gives birth, she's tummy for seven days, which is the length of time that she's tummy for when she has the tumma of the nida illness, the nida illness, the nida sickness. 
It's referring to nida, the nida condition, as an illness and as a sickness. Interesting. And Rashi says, Whenever a woman is in a state of nida and seeing dam nida, that comes with an illness, her, 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 her body, her limbs, they feel they, 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 they're, 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 they're heavy, they're weighted, she, she doesn't feel well, she, she feels ill, she feels sick. So that's Rashi bringing out this idea that Tomas Nida goes together with, with Choyli. So according to Rashi, what the Torah is saying is like this. There's something called the Nida illness, the Nida sickness, and that's the seven-day Toma. And when a woman gives birth, she has the same seven-day Toma for birth as she does for the Nida illness. So this returns us right back to where we started with our first question, why are we comparing Leda to Nida? And if we're going to make the comparison, why are we talking about Nida in terms of a sickness, in terms of an illness? First of all, it's not very nice. You know, everyone learns to men, women. You know, to, to talk about need in terms of an illness, in terms of a sickness, the need cycle, a monthly need cycle of a woman, w- w- why are we referring to it as an illness and as a sickness? Good, okay, so it comes with side effects, it comes with unpleasant sensations, but why, why is the Torah calling it a sickness, an illness? Chayli, and why are we bringing sickness back into the realm of Leda? It comes that we're saying that when a woman gives birth, she's coming for the same amount of time as when she has the sickness of Nida. Hey, why are you comparing Nida, Leda to Nida, birth to Tomas Nida, B, why do I need to know right now that neither is a sickness? Why is it being called a sickness altogether? And C, why are we bring the concept of illness and sickness into the realm of Leda, which is such a beautiful, exciting thing? A birth, a new baby, a new neshama, a celebration. We're bringing illness, sickness, and neither into this? What's going on? So all these questions have to be answered up. Why bring neither in? Why bring neither illness in? And why is neither even called an illness? Why is it called a sickness? It's a cycle, not a sickness. So let's focus in on the concept of illness and sickness altogether. What does sickness mean? What is illness in lumdus? That really is what needs to be explored over here. And so what does it mean when someone becomes sick, when somebody becomes ill in lumdus? What's the right Torah take on that, the hashkafic take? Someone chas is not doing well. They're in the hospital with an illness. They're at home suffering with a tremendous... Um, condition that they're suffering from. Or they have a headache or a stomachache. What is going on behind the scenes? when a Jew is suffering, when a Jew has illness or sickness. So you know what's going on? The Svarim HaKadoshim tell us something which is a very basic and straightforward concept. When a Yid is suffering, when, when, when a person is sick, where is the sickness? The sickness is here in the body, right? It's a physical illness. A person's chas there's something mad with his heart, his lungs, his kidney, his stomach, his circulatory system, is whatever it may be. There's, there's a problem with his guf, there's a problem with his body. His body is ill. And what is that representative of? That's representative of the fact that his body is slightly out of alignment with its upper levels of existence. That's what it always means. That the body was able to be subject to a certain shadow falling over the body in that area of the illness. These are, this is deep stuff. Maybe even borderline mystical, Kabbalistic stuff. It could be, but the Svarmakadosham share these ideas with us. Anytime a get is ill... Anytime he is not feeling well, wherever the ache and pain is, if it's in the toenail, there's an ingrown toenail, that means the part of his neshama that parallels his toenail as some kind of, there's some kind of interruption over there. There's some kind of interruption between the part of my upper spiritual existence, which yes, yes, our neshamas have 613 parts to them, and they, my neshama has 613 parts because my body has 613 parts. 
That's a well-known idea. We say that in the Mishaberich, when we make a Mishaberich for Chaylam, Hashem should send a Fuwa to Remachei Varavusha Sagidov, a person's um, 248 limbs and 365 uh, uh, sinews, right? There's 613 parts of a person, however you count those, there's 613 parts of your Neshama. And when your body is totally in line with your Neshama, and your Neshama is totally in line with the top of its Neshama, you can't get sick. You can't. Because your body is totally in line with its source. All the way up to the Kisei covered. Sickness is only possible and actually resultant from the body being out of alignment, which said differently means there's some kind of interruption and some kind of misalignment and some kind of mechitza that, that happened on some level between the top level of my neshama and the bottommost level of my existence, which is my guf. There's, there's some, something in the way in some area of my existence. The guf down here, the person, again, is suffering a stomach illness. That means the, his, 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 his stomach down here is out of alignment at some point with the highest point of his neshama that parallels his stomach. The guf here is now not connected all the way up, and it's subject immediately to to darkness, shadows, and shadiness down here, and automatically it becomes ill. Automatically it gets sick. That's what sickness always is. When the body is misaligned, and the body is disconnected from the neshama. And again, there's different parts of the neshama, different parts of the body, and there's some interruption on some level. Said differently, when a part of my body just becomes a body, just becomes a body is 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 is, is uh, limited and 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 um, reduced to just being a body. That is illness. That's what sickness is. That's what illness is. Everybody understand? Because when my body is lined up with my neshama, it's not a body. It's a body that's being raised towards the neshama, elevated by the neshama, connected to the neshama. That's a body that can't get sick. If my entire body has total alignment, it can't get sick. It's not a body. It's a, it's a vehicle for the neshama. And it's, it, it, it's it, totally radiant in total illumination and in total alignment, it can't get sick. A body that has part of it that's been reduced to just being a body automatically becomes sick. That is illness. That's what illness is. It's down here, it's sick. It's ill, it's disease. That's what illness is. When that part of the body is not lined up with the neshama anymore. So far, so good? It's been misaligned. A body that's become a body. Now, how do we deal with illness? How do we deal with sickness? This is just, you know, the Maimra Musgur, this gives us fascinating insights. So that being said, there's always two ways a person can become healed. A person has a pram chasasham with his lungs, with his heart, with his spleen, with his, with his mind, with any part of him. How do you get better? So obviously there's an, an efficient way and an inefficient way. What would be the best way of getting better? What? <laughs> the best way. What would be the most efficient way? What? Tshuva to become realigned. That would really be the best way of doing it. Because if illness is just a function of the body being misaligned, a body getting reduced to a body, and that's automatically illness because now it's subject to tumma, subject to darkness, subject to, to decay and, 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 and uh, ruin down here, so just realign the body. Shuva, tfila, tzedakah, realign my body with its neshama so it's totally in line with all the 613 component parts up there and then there's no more illness, automatically no more illness. That's the most efficient 
and, 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 and the most powerful way of doing it. And that would be amazing, except we unfortunately don't live on such a plane. We don't live on such a level of existence that we can just realign ourselves and, 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 and get back things into shape with tefillah, with tshuva. We unfortunately are no longer so in touch with our upper levels of our neshama that we can do such a powerful tshuva that we go all the way up there. We, we do tshuva certainly and we, we do our best. We, 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 we do move up that ladder but to do tshuva and tefillah and tzedakah to the degree that, we're in, that we are in total realignment, and this is what Elon means, why Elon said the word tshuva, because tshuva means to return. Tshuva means to be realigned. You have to be really connected to the highest levels of your neshama, and, and, and we're generally not holding there. That's why Shalom Rubin said that when someone becomes sick, what does he do? We go to the doctor, and we have to go to the doctor. Our job is to go to the doctor. Virapa yirafe, says the Gemara, Doctors have give, been given the authority and the right, halachic right, to, to, to be healers. And that's because we don't have the wherewithal, the means and the ability to go all the way to the highest levels of our neshama and realign ourselves up there and, and automatically then emerge from this realm of darkness. We're, we're not holding there really. We, we can try, we can do our best, and that's why with every activity, every, every session, every environment you have with a doctor, you're supposed to say, uh, and you're supposed to die with Hashem, that, that, that involvement with a doctor should be successful. We're working on both fronts, but we're not exempt from going to doctors. And to the contrary, we're, we're not allowed to not go to doctors because we generally do exist down here. We're not capable of that total realignment. If we would be, all we would have to do is just do tshuva in the right area and, and the pain would disappear and, and the chayli would disappear. And this is something the obvious HaKadoshim were capable of. You know, Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov did not have to go to the doctor when they would get headaches. I don't even know if they got headaches. If Avzakadoshim, Yankov Avita would get a headache, he would know immediately which area of him had drifted a little bit out of alignment. He would click it back into place through tshuva. He would be lined back up with his head down here with the part of his highest neshama up by the Kisya Kavod would be back in alignment. His head would be would be would 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 emerge, would slip away from that momentary existence down here that would, it was subject to a, a, a momentary um, tuma and darkness down here. If you're all if you're connected all the way, if you can do that, you don't need to go to a doctor. You don't need to take medicine. And this is why also, Mar tells us that back in the day, people would not even get sick. They would just live out their, their years and they would expire. There, there was no choyli because the the um, Avos Hakadoshim were people that that uh, were, were connected all the way up, and if there would be illness, if there would be suffering, if there would be pain, they were of of of, of the uh, of of the um, their existence was of such that it could be they could make that realignment. Um, when people talk about segulas, this is what a segula is trying to do. A segula, when people say. Oh, you're suffering from such and such? I have a great segula. You know, take this and, and, uh, and wear it around your wrist and, and this condition will disappear. You're, you're suffering from headaches? So take, this, take this, uh, this, this cord, wrap it around your neck really, really tight several times and you won't feel that headache ever again. So there's, there's different, there's different uh, segulas that are offered for different things. Now, in general, our mahalach is not to get caught up in segulas Aside from the schools that are explicitly mentioned in the Chazal, and there's like, you know, you, can't, you can count those on one hand. Um, 
Schools for us are, are, are usually distractions and are, you know, people like schools because they offer shortcuts and quick fixes. And for us, they're not really quick fixes because we're not holding there. But what a schooler really is trying to do is a realignment. That's what a school is really trying to do. That, that's, the, that's the objective of a segula, is bypassing the illness down here by, 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 by escaping the source, by just realigning the person with, with his shayrish hanashama. And Mamela, there's no sickness anymore. That was a schooler. That, that's, that's what the lambdas of a schooler is. And again, we, we avoid segulas because most of the schools that we have are not really legitimate schools anyway. And, 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 and anyway, the same way, we can't daven into tshuva and automatically get better because we're not all the way up there. Schoolers definitely are no more powerful than our davening and our tshuva. And as Rebbeinu Shmuel is mentioning in the back, Torah is the biggest school. Torah is the greatest of segula. And Torah and tefillah, do that first before you start running around to the... The, the, all, the, all the, the ladies with all the schoolers, with all the, all the uh, knickknacks and the, um, the um, what? The That's right, all that stuff, the knickknacks and the uh, talismans and all this, all the, the, the uh, you know, everything that you get there from the magic shop. Yeah, uh, question, Sean Rubin. How does the Rebbe transition to school in this sense? No, what is the Magic trick. Magic trick? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's an unkind translation, but maybe 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 a good one. Segula means um, um, a um, um, no, I don't know home remedy. A um, not really home remedy. Home remedy is not the right translation. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's auspicious for something. I don't know. Well, I, 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 there's, there's probably, there must be a very good word, but I'm not summoning it right now. Anyway, but, that, but, but in terms of what a school is really trying to do, solution, no. A school means like a magical solution, you know? A, uh, yeah. Um, but I appreciate you trying to give us a solution. Uh, that's what a school is trying to do. A school is an attempt to... to um, what, what the mahalach of a segula, that's what the mahalach of a segula really is, is this realignment. To get the, click the guf back into place, so mamela there's no sickness. Because mamela, you, you click the guf back into total alignment with your shayr so you're not subject anymore to tumah. But illness is when the guf is out of place, and said differently, and said better, when the guf has been reduced to a guf. We daven, we do tshuva, but we have to go to the doctor also, because we're not people that, can, that have the ability... Again, to, to, to be realigning things at, the, at our Shurish HaNeshama. We do our best, but we, we are obligated. We are obligated to make attempts in the Shalas down here in the world of Rafuas. But, but again, bear in mind that it's inefficient. Be'etzim, it's, it's very good to know this. Taking ibuprofen when you have a headache helps the headache, but it's an inefficient way of doing it. And going to the doctor for surgery when something needs to be surgically removed works, but it's inefficient. It's inefficient, but we're, we're limited to inefficiencies. The most efficient way of doing that would be to click myself back into alignment. I don't need the surgery anymore. I don't have the headache anymore. I don't have the toothache anymore. Sometimes people need root canal surgery. And it works, hopefully, right? It works. It's inefficient. The best thing would be to figure out where I have to make a tikkun and figure out how to be misdabbing, mischaber back from my body all the way up to my shara and Mamela, there's no, there's no dental problem anymore. 
Then the pump is only able to be there when I have a goof that's been reduced to a goof. We have to go through the route of medical intervention. We have to. But it's very good to know that in lumbus it's an inefficient process. Good. But getting back to Tazria. So this is what illnesses illness is when the goof is out of alignment. And when the goof has therefore been reduced to a goof. So we have half of a fellow dicka insight over here back in this first Rashi. We said that the Torah told us that Leda, birth, childbirth brings with it Tumah, which was already eye-opening in of itself, that birth bringing life into the world comes with, it, comes with Tumah. And it's compared to Tumah's Nida, of all things. Kimei Nida's device of Titma. And Nida, which is the comparison, the frame of reference for Leda, is being called an illness. Nida's device, illness, sickness. Vazgeta, what's going on over here, Rabbi Isai? And now we have some Yesaitis that we can put everything hopefully into very sharp focus over here. We'll start with Tomas Nida. It's being called an illness. Why are we calling it a sickness? It's reality. It's part of life. The monthly Nida cycle. Why are we calling it an illness? The Teretz is. What does Nida represent if not the monthly cycle of a woman getting ready to produce a child? That's what Nida is all about. The monthly cycle of preparing to produce a child and, okay, not happening this month, not happening next month, not happening the month after that. That's what Tumas Nida is. But it's connected, it's linked to the cycle of, 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 of life production. Of life production. And yet the Torah calls it device, it calls it a machala, calls it an illness, a sickness. Why is that? Because this metzius of, of, of Tumas Nida, the machzor, the Nida cycle being a reality for an Isha, is a cycle of life's production, of producing life. Producing life. Why is that come together with Nida? Why is that being called an illness? The Teretz is because it's not really about producing life as much as it's about producing a guf. A woman has the amazing, awesome ability to produce, to bring into this world a... Guf, a new body. And the Gemara tells us that the woman supplies the oidem, the man supplies the loiven, the lavan. Woman supplies a certain amount of the, of the physicality. The man supplies the rest of the physicality. The teeth and the bones, the flesh and the blood come from the woman. But the neshama, the spirituality that comes from the ribay, the neshama comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The guf, the physicality, comes from the father and the mother the parents, and primarily it's the woman who is developing, producing, and, 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 and housing this guf for nine months. And every month is getting ready to produce another guf. It's not so much that she's producing life as much as she's producing a guf. Her role is to bring a new guf into the world. And if you think about it, she's bringing a guf without a neshama. The neshama comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but the guf, and only the guf is what she's responsible for. A, this is why, a very eye-opening idea over here, something very, very major, huge idea, this is why when a woman gives birth, she's in a state of, uh, of Toma, Tomas Leido. Why should childbirth bring, bring Toma? Childbirth is very opposite of Toma. Toma is about corpses, about dead people and dead things, dead animals, dead novelas, dead people. She produced life, Leida, childbirth. Why does that create Toma? Terrence says she didn't produce life, she produced a guf. And a guf is something that on its own is tummy. A guf is something that it's on its own. When it's devoid of an ashama, it is in, in the dark. And, and, and that is tumma. 
Toma is when a guf is there devoid of a neshama. And this is why there's something called Tomas Nida, and that's why Nida is called Devaisa in illness. Because illness, again, is the state of existence when a guf has been reduced to a guf. When a guf is reduced to a guf, lacking the neshama. That's what illness is, that's what machla is, that's what chayli is. And a woman has a monthly cycle where she's getting ready every month to create a guf. Something which is a guf, and only a guf, and nothing but a guf. And that monthly cycle is a monthly cycle of chayli, of illness, monthly cycle of being immersed, involved with, and totally reduced to a guf that's creating a guf. This is the machla, that's the chayli of Tomas Nido. This is the tum of Tomas Leido. And this is the idea of illness in general. So again, the Torah is not, it's not the Torah not being, being not nice or being unkind. It's the Torah cluing us in a little bit, giving us some, some insights into the life cycle in general and really into Tumah in general um, and, and Toledo and Nida in general. A woman ha- it is a beautiful, awesome, amazing ability that a woman has to bring this child to the world. But again, it's the guf that she's producing and it's a guf to which HaKadosh Baruch has supplied the Neshama, but her role is the guf. The guf on its own is something that does go hand in hand with chayshech, with darkness. It needs the Neshama to illuminate it, but being that her involvement is the guf, that automatically comes with Toma, automatically confers Toma. And a monthly cycle that's set up to attempt to produce a guf, that's getting ready for a guf, is called a monthly cycle of chayli, of machalah, because machalah, again, just means simply, it doesn't mean sick, it means a guf which has been reduced to a guf, a guf which is temporarily, for the meantime, disconnected from a neshava. Okay, so that's what's going on over here in the parasha. One amazing journey over here. Two nice ideas, two big uh, discoveries over here. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. And Gavadik uh, Shabbos and Reish Chaydash. Shabbos, Reish Chaydash, Parshish HaChaydash. A three Torah Shabbos. So it should be a lot of Torah for all of us, a lot of Torah for all of a lot of wonderful Shabbos experiences. L'chaim Toim L'shalom. Yes. I have Until birth, the neshama is like up in Shemaim. Then why isn't that, why isn't that there? Well, okay, so the birth process itself is a linked process. So why is the person exactly there? As soon as the head emerges. Uh, excellent question. Uh, the answer is because we're waiting for the the, the final. She's it's in the, it's in flux. It's in a flux. We don't really have a full guf until we have the full guf. Um. And more really more than that, she's producing a guf which is going to, you know, emerge. So upon the emergence of the guf, that's really when the guf can set can be said to have been created. So there's the cycle. The cycle makes her tummy. That's the cycle of you know the attempt. The attempt makes her tummy. And that's the machla. And then there's the actual production. That's when is, there's a production when the baby's born. A good Shabbos, everyone. Good Shabbos. Yes, Menachem. Um, can illness, um, when you're doing certain stuff, like if you, yeah, like, sure. if you eat, like, not...
Yeah, you can make yourself. You can you can neglect your body, sure. But like an illness that comes to you, like without you neglecting your body, is because your neshama is out out of whack. Thing is, have to do the neshama because neshama you weren't. Man, that's a little bit. Yeah, but you said something like there's illness that comes that without your neglect it came on its own. That's from your neshama, and then there's you just neglecting your body. That's just your bad decisions. Good question, Menachem. Okay, ready to go? Okay, let's see what you got for me over here. Okay, today's the 30th, right? Yeah, you're going to sign? What's your phone? 215-601-0685. Okay, now pick up my pen to make the Kenyan. Okay, just designating me, designating me as your agent, and that's fine. Okay, you're good to go. I don't think I took enough the first time you went over here. Shkayuch, would you like uh, would you like some something nice here? I don't have a cup here, but I have bottles. All right. You here for Shabbos? You here for Shabbos? You have Shabbos set up? Oh boy, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. sure. I don't believe so. I think they take care. Could be depends where they were holding, you know. Um, but you know, the Vilna Goin said that if he pushed his imagination as far as it could go, he could he could he could imagine what a Tana must have looked like, what that meant, like a Tana. But even in his wildest, wildest, wildest uh, imagination, he could not even come like a, a picture, or imagine what a simple in the times of the Beis Hamikdash looked like. Uh, that's talking about like their spiritual stature. So I would imagine even the Pshutayam, the Hamaynam had this capability back then, you know, especially with the guidance of Nevi'im. Yeah. Okay. So that plus it gives them the app.